Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener. You'll have ad-free episodes and join us on our monthly Zoom calls with other podcast listeners and get to know the community at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes. If we were to get content out onto the web, like right after shooting it, could we do it in the parking lot? We got to the end of a ski day. Can, can we edit it before we get home to the house and drop our ski gear off? And I remember the first time we did that. I'm Alex Bloomberg, host of the podcast Startup, and you're listening to We Are LA Tech. One of the most frustrating things about being a content creator is sustaining being a content creator. And I love that I came across Tiny Sponsor. TinySponsor.com makes it possible for micro-influencers to get paid for the content that we create. It's amazing. Whether you're a food and beverage content creator, media and entertainment, fashion and accessories, beauty and wellness, or advertising and marketing, they cover all industries to make sure that we can sustain doing what we love tinysponsor.com. Welcome back to the We Are LA Tech podcast here in Santa Monica, California. Yes, I am so excited to be here with one of my favorite people in tech, Will. Hi, Will. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> I told you it was a bit obnoxious. Oh my gosh, you're, you're my favorite hype person every <laughs> right? time. I just want you to intro me every time I walk into a room. No, you know where that comes from is I loved wrestling growing up. Oh, okay. And remember the wrestling yeah. MCs? Yeah. Oh, See, I was best. thinking of all, because I was a Chicago Bulls right? Michael Jordan fan. I was thinking of when every time he comes out of the tunnel and they call his name. Like I, I've watched those videos. YouTube, it's so much fun. I, uh, YouTube, you could get stuck into like a rabbit hole. <laughs> I, I would like to introduce my special exclusive on this episode co-host today, Tatiana. Hello. Hey. She is a fellow woman in tech. I asked her to join me in this interview with Will, who works with just an epic company called Narbox. I'll let him get into it. I uh, I found them via Kickstarter years ago, and it's been an exciting journey. Um, To kick things off, Real quick, Tatiana, give us a short little background on you. Oh, no. She asked me for it, and she's like, you're not going to make me do that, are you? And I was like, oh, no, no worries. And she's making me do it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, the quick, I am an artist, and I'm all around creative mastermind. It's like the easiest way. And she she has a nonprofit called, she's a tech professional, and you could check her out. What's your social? Uh, Tatiana L. Corey. So T-A-T-I-A-N-A-E-L-K-H-O-U-R-I. And that's the same on everything. So trust me that she's in tech, but what's really cool is that she has a nonprofit called Road to Artdom, where she Mm -hmm. celebrates independent artists across the country to make sure to make art accessible to anyone, no matter what their economic situation is. Do I have Mm -hmm. it right? Yeah. Economic status, as well as their abilities. It's, it's so yeah. cool. So check out Road to Artem. Check out Tatiana. So I'm going to have Tatiana help me in this conversation. Will, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah. So my name is Will Africano. I'm one of the founders over here at Narbox down in Santa Monica. Here we are, two blocks from the beach, Main so Street good. and Ocean Park. Really excited to be here and then lucky to be in this office, actually. But yeah, uh, one of the founders at Narbox. We've been Man, we're going on coming up on five years here in Santa Monica. And the Narbox, 
Uh, our mission as a company has been to make the creative process easier for anybody with a camera. And our flagship product for that is Narbox. We made the first one a couple of years ago. And the second one's about to come on. We had a Kickstarter for both of them. But the Narbox is a rugged backup device for content creators who prefer to travel without a laptop. Um, and Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's definitely yeah. If you've if you've if you're a shooter, photo, video, whatever, have a need for for this device for sure. And you understand like the woes of having to bring a laptop with you everywhere you need to go just to be able to do a simple backup to make sure you secure those files. And and the really good thing is just it, what makes our backup device unique because there's been a couple out there on the market um, over the years and history of time. There's been things that do this, that back up an SD card. But what makes ours unique is that we have an ecosystem of mobile applications. So you walked into the office and you saw a big group of software engineers. Yes, I did. Software engineers. And yeah, that's our thing. I mean, we, we make mobile applications and that's a big part of what we do in addition to hardware. And those applications advance your workflow in the field. So you could open up a phone, you can open up an iPad. We have an application for organizing those files, for just being meticulous with that organization so you can put things in the folders and files and get them prepped for when you get home. We have an application called Selects, which allows you to rate and uh, tag photos so you can start to take, say, a thousand photos. And this is common practice for any photographer, take a thousand photos, but you really only end up sharing, you know, 10 of those maybe. So how do I take a thousand and identify my best? Well, that's usually through like a five-star rating system and then a bunch of editing. So there's an application for that. Um, even has light color correction so you can quickly save those photos to your camera roll and then uh, upload them to, say, Instagram. Uh, and then there's another one for videographers called Sequence that allows you to assemble a timeline of your footage, render and organize uh, the videos into bin and render them into other resolutions for editing later, and even assemble a timeline of those of your videos so that when you get home, you can finish that in something like Adobe Premiere or uh, Final Cut Pro. So you're advancing your workflow, not just by backing up and organizing, but actually starting your edits before you get home. That's amazing. Sometimes even completing them. That's amazing. I was a art major and my first concentration was digital video art. And this was back in like early 2000s. And I honestly stopped doing it because rendering videos would take us about eight hours <laughs> and we would you know, do some edits and then say, OK, we're going to go walk away, go to a party, go drink, come back in eight hours and it'll be done. So the fact that you can do that on a cell phone or with your device is just like mind blowing. Yeah. And it's interesting because we get that question a lot uh, of like, why can't I just do the entire thing on my cell phone? Why do I even need a Narbox? Well, yeah. first of all, we provide uh, that additional storage and a second copy of your storage mm -hmm. and it's optimized for transferring. So you can transfer at speeds up to uh, 450 megabytes a second. So That's you can dump your stuff as fast What's as humanly possible. What's the normal speed? Yeah. Uh, well, so it just depends on your SD card usually. So cards can range from like 90 megabytes a second. But if you have XQD cards, they can go up to 450 megabytes a second. So we just made it so that you won't have a bottleneck no matter what card speed you have. Right, right. That's our goal. So we just kind of match the, the max card speeds available on the market. I remember when I first discovered uh, Narbox, you could easily transfer... Because I'm not a professional videographer, professional photographer, but I work a lot with content. Mm -hmm. I remember you could easily uh, share footage. You could easily share content with one another. Yeah. So, so and definitely in the beginning, our whole goal was to like remove the laptop altogether. But what we found once we got to our customer base with the first generation was that, well, you know, 
I don't think everyone's ready for a completely mobile workflow. We're ready to do everything on their iPad because the control that you can get in, in a program like Adobe on a desktop computer, like the one you see here, um, which is a full Mac desktop with you know a mouse and a lot of processing powers, you can get that finer control uh, that you may want for making super precise video edits. Right. But that first one, and we and we have an, our original application um, that we put out with that a couple of years ago was. Um, designed to do full edits like end to end, and you can still use and 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 people do use, including myself, that <laughs> tool to make a complete photo or video edit all on your mobile device while keeping all of the original files just on the Narbox. So if you shoot 100 gigs in the day, you're not having to wait to transfer it to your phone and fill your whole whole phone storage totally. up. But you can actually have this be your processor for rendering, like you struggled with, yeah. and and, um, and use this for your storage. Um, to supplement that phone or iPad. And then you can completely edit the whole thing and you only have to save the final thing down your phone. So now you're only taking up, you know, a quarter or a half or a full gig, depending on the size of your video. Mm -hmm. And you're not just like destroying your phone. Um, it's just not possible. That's amazing. Yeah, I could totally see tons of ways that that'd be helpful. Like even if you did uh, live events, being able to cut something like really quickly and send it back to social teams so they can post and then you can work on a bigger video later, that'd be awesome. Yeah. In today's Instagram age, there's a need, e even now. as a professional, like your clients are like, well, why am I going to wait for you to turn this around to me? You know, if you're at a wedding, for example, I'm going to be there for, for two weeks, you know, maybe a month before I see anything. Well, everyone wants like a first look. So maybe you're flipping 10 to 12 photos over that day and you're getting a full edit done using, because we integrate, I mean, worked with Adobe on this actually to do an integration with Lightroom CC. So all of their desktop editing tools are now on their iPad or their iPhone. That's awesome. One of the reasons I'm even here today, other than to do this interview, the reason why we're doing this interview today is because I'm leaving to go celebra celebrate women in tech in Serbia. And I was like, I need to have a Narbox because on my last trip, I lost uh, content on my SD cards because I couldn't transfer them to the computer in the right way. And it became this whole issue. And so I could plug my hard drive into my computer, but with a Narbox, I could plug, as long as I understand it correctly, I could plug my SD card into the Narbox yeah. and have a safe backup. Exactly. And so I was like, I can't leave without a yeah. Narbox it's this time. It's built for that reason. Yeah. And, and I don't, yeah, there's, it, you can learn that reason the hard way, or you can <laughs> like just I'm get like ahead of it and yeah. start with the Narbox, or yeah. you're bringing your computer yeah. with you, but you're already filling your bags. And up I need so to transfer stuff. fast. It can't. I can't just be there for hours. I'm on trains. I'm on planes. I'm on the go. I'm up mountains in New <laughs> Zealand. Like yeah. I need to just transfer the content off of the cars into a secure place because this is my livelihood. And it is rugged, as in it's actually waterproof. So yeah. you could drop it in water as long as the doors are closed and it would keep it safe, which is also something you can't do with your computer. That's amazing. No or, yeah. you know, isn't a good idea. for your, So for your let's camera. rewind it um, sure. because I found you on Kickstarter five years ago. I found you five years ago, dude. No, no, no. We started before that first Kickstarter. So oh, you okay. found me. It's been three years now. Oh, okay, okay. I was stoked when I found them because my background is building an action sports media company. And then when I found out they were an L.A. tech company, I just lost my mind. <laughs> I'm like, I have to know you. <laughs> um, so you said you started two years before the Kickstarter. Why then? Moved to, how has Kickstarter helped support you in becoming mm -hmm. a su successful company? I walked into your space here. Yes, two blocks from the beach. Which one is epic. And then you have a full team of engineers. How many people work in this company now? Like, how do we get here? It's changing. <laughs> yeah. I think we're at 21 today. It's insane. Wow. 
Yeah. How do we get here? How do we get? How did we get so here? From we were that? in a garage yeah. Yeah. when we launched that first Kickstarter, and right. there were four of us dedicating our time to it, and a couple other people like Matt who were moonlighting and helping us, you know, when they could. And we all moonlit at some point going into that. Yeah. Uh, Tim and I started it, and Patrick joined us. Um, Jason was our fourth, and that's really all we had. And, and we hacked together a really nice prototype and raised some money off of it. And we did that for. You know, like I said, we're almost at five years. So we did that for a little, maybe like a year until right. we got into the Kickstarter. And the Kickstarter came at a point where we, we were just out of money. Yeah. Uh, it would have been maybe nice to wait a little bit longer until we figured out a little bit more tech. Right. Uh, and gotten a little further along in the development. But we were we were ready on the marketing and product side. We knew what we were going to make. Like we were, we had the vision. We had vetted the vision. Uh, we were very sure about that vision. And we went to Kickstarter with it and they were able to take us to the next level for sure. I mean, it opened up a financing options while simultaneously giving you some financing. We raised $545,000 from the Kickstarter in that 30 day campaign at a point where we had 10 in the bank. Um, That's amazing. What was your initial goal? You know, the initial goal question is a good one because you always plan on blowing it out of Of the water. We were hoping to get a quarter, uh, like 250 was like our internal goal. Externally, I think we wrote on the page. That one was uh, 70, 70, I can't remember, 50K. It was 50K, uh, but we raised 500. So, so 10 times. Day. Yeah. yeah, that's 2X odd. what our internal needs were though, for right. sure. And yeah. and we knew that was going to be a fundraising ra- round, like the Kickstarter itself. And yeah. we knew that we'd raise on top of that. And we did. And so did, things did went the Kickstarter to help you raise um, traditional financing? Yeah. So that was kind of the basis for valuation. It opened a lot of doors. People were calling us for the first time. You know, you're out, you were calling us. For, you know what I mean? Like it just opened up all these opportunities, whether they were manufacturing or press or podcasts or clubs or meetups or tech, you know, yeah. there was initiatives at major companies, huge major companies in hardware manufacturing and in component uh, distribution where they have salespeople get bonus off of finding small startups to yeah. add to mm-hmm. their business. Cause that could add to the bottom line in five to 10 years. Wow. So, you know, people were knocking down our door. It was great. So like besides having more time with the actual Narbox to work out uh, different stuff, would there, would you have done something different with the Kickstarter? No, I mean like it, the, the way it went, that was the plan. There was no other way. It was the only way to do it. I mean, the second time around, because we did do a second Kickstarter, we had our product um, much further developed. Now, it's easier as a second gen. We were iterating. So mm-hmm. um, there wasn't as much to do, but we did change a lot. And yeah, we still put it out. And and I think the closer you can get to like your actual shipping, the better your Kickstarter will do. So there's always a gap to close. Like mm-hmm. the last time it took us uh, more than it took us like 18 months to ship version one from the end of our Kickstarter. And people get pissed. People got pissed. Yeah, yeah. but they still got it and they're happy once they got it. Yeah. And and this time, you know, our goal was to basically close that gap down to like six to seven months. And that's, uh, if we were to do one again, maybe we'd do it less. So we'll see. Yeah, it's so crazy. Okay, so bringing it back again to the beginning, what was the inspiration to create Narbox? Uh, so to your action sports kind of side of thing, Tim and I, Tim, the other founder here, uh, we kind of, you know, we started it on drives to and from Mammoth. So our passion beyond uh, the beyond our boxes, backcountry skiing, skiing in general, 
like anything to do with skiing we're excited about. And one of the things to do with skiing is the film. And so we were filming with GoPros, eventually drones and DSLRs. And we were had this little basic mini production studio in our car driving to and from Mammoth, where our goal was to try and like edit a video or two out by the time we got home. Yeah. That's like a four and a half hour drive. And we always struggled with power and cables and you know, my laptop would die in an hour, but his would die in two and we'd be passing hard drives around <laughs> and shuffling cards and well, drinking coffee, whatever. Like it was just chaos in that yeah. car with all of our ski gear loaded, you know, like it was just packed to the gills and uh, I was what we were doing, you know, and we just thought that there was, there had to be a better way to do this. If we were to get content out onto the web, like right after shooting it, could we do it in the parking lot? Like we got to the end of a ski day. Can can we edit it before we get home to the house and drop our ski gear off? And I remember the first time we did that it was the first time we like got a Narbox finally working and we just went skiing. And uh, it was like the first day of the season, late October, we went and backcountry skied Red Cone, filmed it. Tim cut an entire video in the parking lot in wow. five minutes. Wait. Posted it on Instagram, minute with music, fully cut wow. from like That's a full, so from multiple camera angles. It was awesome. Wait, what's both of your backgrounds? Because did you build it yourself? How did you get that first Narbox built? Uh, so our, our backgrounds are not in, in, not in engineering or technology. Uh, mine was in consumer insights. Uh, so I worked in finance and data side of things with a big wine company, actually a Fortune 500 company, and Tim was a uh, bond trader at Western Asset Mutual, or an analyst. He didn't That's actually so trade, crazy. but he, he was on the <laughs> bond Lee's portfolio. Yeah, yeah, totally. Not, yeah. Our third, our, well, our third person was in hardware and software, mm, and okay. our fourth person was in software. But did I, you, know, you I always, seek them out, or, yeah, or were we they okay? So yeah. they weren't a part of the initial. We networked really, really hard. Tim taught himself how to code. I taught myself how to design. So I was making app wireframes and user stories and product experiences and testing them. And Tim was coding front end uh, an application on a web client and taught himself pretty quick how to do that. Had some mentors, um, did that at night, a lot of nights with actually one of the guys, one of the mentors is now our CTO, uh, joined so us rad. a couple of years later. Yeah, and it was just a lot of long hours hacking stuff together. Your journey is gnarly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's bumpy. And okay, so now your fellow co-founders are the ones that put together, I guess, would you call it a prototype? Yeah, yeah. so we hacked together our first prototype off of off-the-shelf hardware, like BeagleBone Black, I, I believe it was. Yeah, it was BeagleBone Black. Hacked it together with a bunch of modifications, things you could just buy in Amazon or DigiKey. Right. Soldered some things together. Got it to transfer files, render 4K video to our phone on a hacked together web client. And we took that to investors and raised money so and dope. built the team out, did the Kickstarter, you know, built the team out further, raised more money. It just was constant like that, you know. Had you ever had a company before? Uh, no. This is your first? First. Is it Tim's first? Yes. And your other two co-founders? Uh, no, no, no. The other one had, had uh, been in part of the startup world a little bit longer. What, awesome. what I think is so cool about your your founding team is and I think it's what a lot of people miss in the tech industry is normally, you know, tech, you know, artist, the artistry, the creative, but there's no business person mm -hmm. and, and a salesperson talks a lot, but they don't really know like what they're selling because they don't have a connection to the artist and to, to the tech. And so there's this disconnect. And I like the healthy balance between you and Tim having this finance data driven background to have real intelligent business behind 
a smart product that's serving a personal pain point. It just seems like it's really complimentary. It, it definitely was, is a way to do it. And I think what happens at a Kickstarter a lot of times is you get great engineers making really cool, complex products, whether it's on the industrial design side or on like the actual hardware electrical design right. side. And then oftentimes they're looking out of Kickstarter to find marketing and financial support. And that's a really hard road to go and try and just get financing if you don't understand the finance, like the financial landscape of that time. Kickstarter may not even be a good strategy given that blip in time. Right. When we went to it, it was like right at the end of when Kickstarter was still like helping people raise hardware money. We saw Kickstarter a year before. If you had a Kickstarter over 500K, you were getting a check for 5 million within 30 days. And it was like, that changed even when we there. It took us three, you know, six months to even raise any money out of Kickstarter. It was really hard. What? But yeah, okay. it's, it was, it's definitely complimentary and really a nice way to map and plan a business financially before, you know, you really like get in and start yeah. spending all the big bucks on engineering. I, I think we could have a whole podcast episode on Kickstarter. So just one yeah. question about Kickstarter. And I know all of you listening are like killing me for not asking more, but I seriously think we could have a whole in-depth conversation about Kickstarter alone. One thing that you wish you knew, just one tip that you would have told yourself before to make your Kickstarter more successful or at least more or easier to operate. Oh, man. I think that the one thing that people underestimate is the amount the amount of interaction that you need to have with your customers. And the first time around, it blew me away. And the second time on Kickstarter, I was actually maybe overprepared for like <laughs> the amount of messaging. I mean, we have a full-time customer support representative here, but still I expected a lot more interaction. I think it was just because our product was really good. There weren't a lot of questions Yeah, and it was our second time. So it was like, yeah, we get it. We understand what you're going for. But if it's your first time, for sure, like you're going to be overwhelmed with how much you need to answer every message honestly, whether or not if they're asking for features and it's not something you've planned in your development, don't say you're going to give it to someone. Like, yeah. That's, that's my tip. That's the kiss of death. I can only imagine. People, but people do it a lot. You have a question, Tatiana? No, I just, I'm trying to think of like the train wreck that that could be of somebody saying like waiting for the shipment and then saying you didn't have the upload to the, to the thing. And yeah. they said they would. And this is how I think I could see it going is customer like, all of a sudden overnight, you have 500 customers talking to you. And a lot of them, you know, one of them saying, can I do this? And you go and you kind of ask like your engineering team really kind fast, hey, idea. can I do this? And they're like, of course, yeah, I could do that. It could do that. Yeah. Whether or not you're planning on having it do that is another question. But right. yeah, it could do that. Yes, it can do that. Back to the people on the Kickstarter customer, <laughs> one who asked you if it could do that. So, and then you're dealing with the bugs that are eventually yeah. going to come up or to you. And then the you threw in. And yeah. delivering your product that... You know, and we just we just started being really honest. Anytime we got asked, no, it cannot do that is one of the answers we say <laughs> a lot of times. <laughs> nice. Don't buy it if you think it's going to do that. <laughs> so you're an L.A. tech company. So here's some L.A. tech questions. I don't know what's off limits, but we have a brilliant editor, Adam, who could cut out anything you don't feel like talking about. So um, very easy questions, though. Uh, one is you've raised money. Are you able to share how much you've raised? Yeah, well, yeah. So our Series A was was a public. You could go check it out. It's on public domain. So that's and it was in some LA press. So it was eight point five. And then, and you said you have. I think you said you have twenty two people now. Yeah, twenty. Twenty one. Oh, twenty one. Yeah. Oh, I like how you're like yeah. 
Yeah. She's like, no. I'm I was just keeping it going. Yeah. It could yeah. change. It could Is be it? 22 tomorrow. I mean, I am sitting here. Like, <laughs> there you yeah. go. Um, and then uh, what resources have you guys accessed here in LA Tech in the community to help accelerate the company forward? I mean, the, the, one of the best reasons to be in L.A. is just the uh, talent pool for engineering. I mean, there's just so many talented engineers and we've we've worked with General Assembly. We've worked with um, a lot of the recruiters are really talented around here. Um, and I think it's like the tech scene's really grown a lot with Snapchat and some others. And we haven't hired anybody out of there, but I think it's attracted a good a talent pool yeah. that normally, you know, you'd think just Bay Area and that's the only place you can get that. Um, but no, I think we've had very, I don't think we've had any problems around here. And I think one of the best sides of LA versus the Bay area is just the talent that is also interested in, um, in photography and videography and, and that creative class. And, and that's really helpful for a marketing department and for a customer support department. I mean, two of our, um, employees in that room were both came from PAs or PAs before this. Yeah. So they came off of production sets and now they're, you know, they're part of our team. One was a Kickstarter backer. That's dope. Yeah. That's so cool. I love that you brought up engineers. It's a big challenge the city claims that we have, that we have a lot of junior engineers, but we don't have enough seasoned engineers. Would you agree with that? Or it sounds like you disagree. I mean, we've hired a lot of junior engineers for sure, but there's definitely senior engineers. Gaming is a big, a big group, uh, group here too. So I think that there's a, an emerging uh, class of engineering that's really talented. Yes, I think the junior is definitely stronger, but... Uh, we haven't had a problem. Is there a suggestion you good. have in hiring a junior engineer, something that you do to curate the right junior engineers that will accelerate forward faster? There, There's definitely testing that we do and there's a bar that you need to get over. But we look for people who are hungry, that want to get after it, that want to work late hours. So um, there needs to be a certain energy that that person possesses. And sometimes it's just that gut feeling in addition to passing a code test, um, that's really, that's really the gist of it. We don't care whether you're junior or not. Um, just if you can, if you're hungry and you, and you hit the right criteria, then we're game. And another company question is how many customers do you have and where do you want to go? Like what's your dream for the next year and the next five years? Yeah, we have 10,000 customers. Um, which is really nice. 10,000 proud customers. I'm one of them. Yeah. <laughs> Loyal is definitely a good word. Yeah. Like, <laughs> even I fucking through love the bumpy Narvox. times. Like, <laughs> even through Narvox the bumpy times so cool. when we first delivered and it was buggy. Uh, <laughs> some loyal some loyal fans for sure. Um, where do we want to go? Well, the second gen is releasing first quarter of next year to the market. Um, with it comes, you know, it has three SKUs. Um, so three storage options ranging from $400 to $900. Yeah. Um, so we're kind of teetering into a more premium now product with yeah. that $900 offering. Right. Um, we're also delivering some accessories with it, readers that allow you to go at faster speeds and have Sick. more things attached to it for the really high-end uh, shooters. And, and there's a couple other products in the work that are in the pipeline that we're really excited about. And yeah, I think like our... Our goal is is not necessarily around like the number of customers. Like we're not trying to get to like a million Narbox users right yeah. now. We're just trying to become a, a fully profitable and sustaining organization without taking any more funding. Unless if the funding's just for hyper growth and R and D. And what's an obstacle that you've had to overcome and that you've overcome successfully to get to where you are today? 
Oh, there's a lot of obstacles. There's a lot of obstacles. And the entrepreneurial path is like every day it's a new obstacle. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's always there's always challenges. Um, I think that our you know our constant biggest one is is just like our engineering input. So like on the hardware side, we've changed vendors and contractors multiple times and been willing to do that and not yeah. hold on to someone because it's a good price or because you like them. Like yeah. being able to just say, we're going in a different direction at any given point in time, if you know it's the right move to make and just making that move yeah. has been the way we've gotten around engineering obstacles. Like we're really struggling on this problem, like managing the heat thermals. Maybe just bringing someone else in and being really, really nimble with that and being willing to just say, who's the best person that we could call and hire for a month to help us manage thermal output management on a hardware device and just being able to pull that resource in. And sometimes it it comes with the luxury of a series A and like yeah. of, mm-hmm. uh, extra funding, like yeah. not everyone can do that, but hitting your own network and maybe it's just, you're not paying and you're finding someone in your personal network at an earlier stage in your organization, which is what we did a lot of times. Like I said, we had a a mentor who eventually became our CTO, he helped us a lot with software architecture and didn't, you know, earn or get paid a dime. Yeah. Um, and now is our <laughs> chief architect, but uh, permanently, but still it's just, yeah, hitting your network and asking people for help or paying, finding the right person for the job is sometimes what you have to do and letting egos kind of and personal emotions sometimes be set aside. And what's something that we could do as a community to support you in your success? Uh, from a community side, I love opportunities to get out there and talk and meet more people. And I think from a personal side, I don't do it enough. Like yeah. I get, you get so wrapped in your own work, you forget to network. Maybe right, when you right. do mm-hmm. get some openings in your schedule, you're like, oh, I just want to go and hide in the woods and go camping or, totally. you know, go on a trip or go home, you know, and hang out with I got to take you rock climbing again. Yeah. Canyoneering. Go canyoneering that was amazing. Fall off some waterfalls. Come on a trip those. with me. We go around, we go around the country with the bus and do art and show up in random places. Come, come. See, that's totally different yeah. than what I do every day. That's yeah. Um, But from a community standpoint, yeah, I just love getting invites and finding out ways I can connect with more people, especially in Santa Monica. Since people are creating stuff on the fly, like what has there been any piece of content that you are just super impressed with and they did something wildly creative or like the most remote place that they someone traveled with with this? Is there any like standouts? Oh, so there's what a great question. Yeah, good question. There's two standout moments that I've had. Mm -hmm. One is the fact that the Narbox has been photographed at the North Pole now like three times. Wow. And then sent to us with like a thermostat that's like negative 30 degrees oh or 40 degrees. And then like they sent us a picture in their Arctic gear with like a Narbox next to them. I love getting those. That's amazing. Uh, just like that's I so cool. would dream of going there. And there's people now I, I understand there's like-minded individuals that purchase this because they saw what we output. You know what I mean? I think that's really cool. Uh, just to think like what I was interested in drew other people that are interested into it and noticed the same problems and bought just because of our shared interests. Yeah. I can't imagine taking a laptop to the North pole. So (laughs) imagine like how much more content is getting created because someone can have the access to this. Yeah. It's cool. And then uh, just like, just like a cool story that came up in our little Facebook group. uh, Someone dropped their Narbox while getting out of a car in Massachusetts into a snowbank and couldn't find it. And then, Three months later, when the snow melted, it was still there working Get fully. Out. Wow. And shared the whole story. And wow. Like, wow. It was great. Yeah, it was great. That's, that's wild. Yeah, it's, it's 
It's, it's awesome. Um, one wow. thing, one <laughs> amazing question. I love that question. Um, one thing I like to ask uh, is who's a tech talent or company in LA that you've come across lately who's really impressed you? I'm, you know, I meet a lot of them and I get a lot of emails too. And I should say this for the record, uh, if you have more questions about Kickstarter, you can email me. I get a lot of emails from random local companies, <laughs> people around the world about Kickstarter. So one one local company that, I, yeah. that I'm a fan of is Apogee, which does audio devices and recording. They're pretty big now. They've been around a while, but that's, that's, that's a group that I really like. Tell me, um, I don't know Apogee. Tell me. Yeah. So it's, they make pretty like audio geeky hardware devices and they make a lot of different ones. They're, they're like computer side assistants in nice. terms of, yeah, making your audio sound a lot better. Apogee. So, yeah, and yeah, we'll include it in the show notes. Yeah, they're where cool. are they based? They're local. I have never been to their office, but they're they're around Somewhere here. Somewhere like Santa Monica or Venice, yeah. West LA. Yeah, there's like one company in the back of my mind. I'm just forgetting the name of it, but I'm, I'm maybe if I remember, I'll let you know. Later. Yeah, you you like trigger. Yeah. Um, we're gonna wrap up. I feel like I could talk to you for hours. Great. I there's so much that I could <laughs> talk to you about, but you have way more important things to do to operate this company oh. than talking to me. However, how can people find you online? So yeah, I mean, I this audience is welcome to email me at will at narbox. Com, and it's G-N-A-R-B-O-X.com. You got it. And W-I-L-L. If you want to follow me on Instagram on some photography adventures, it's W.Africano. So A-F-R-I-C-A-N-O. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with the We Are LA Tech podcast, for hanging out with me, yeah. for going canyoneering with me, for yeah. believing in We Are LA Tech, for welcoming Tatiana to podcast her very first time and co-host her very first time with me. That's awesome. How, how do you guys think she did? <laughs> yeah, let me know. Tweet me or something. <laughs> <laughs> and why don't you share your, your social handle again, your Twitter handle? Yeah, um, Tatiana L. Corey. It's T-A-T-I-A-N-A. E-L-K-H-O-U-R-I. I can make it a little easier if you want to just follow Road to Artem and that's Road, R-O-A-D-T-O-A-R-T-D-O-M. Amazing. And be sure to say hello to We Are LA Tech on social, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. And maybe you'll get this sticker if you want to connect and collaborate with more incredible uh, people in the LA Tech space. Remember, you could go to wearelatech.com slash VIP. That's wearelatech.com slash VIP for a private community chat. And I will talk to you guys. See you guys here. You guys in the next episode. Bye. One of the most frustrating things about being a content creator is sustaining being a content creator. And I love that I came across Tiny Sponsor. TinySponsor.com makes it possible for micro influencers to get paid for the content that we create. It's amazing. Whether you're a food and beverage content creator, media and entertainment, fashion and accessories, beauty and wellness, or advertising and marketing, they cover all industries to make sure that we could sustain doing what we love tinysponsor.com. We Are LA Tech is independently funded by the community. We couldn't make this happen without your support. If you too want to contribute to We Are LA Tech and see us making the podcast, building the mobile apps, creating the events year after year, consider contributing at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash we are LA Tech. Thank you. We appreciate you. This is Will Africano, one of the founders of Narbox, which is a rugged backup device for content creators who prefer to travel without a laptop. We're in Santa Monica, and you are listening to We Are LA Tech.
Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes.